0: grace, mercy, and peace to you, from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Gospel lesson, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27, and we read these words again in the name of our Lord. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, one man ran up to him and knelt in front of him, He asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except one, God. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother." The man replied, Teacher, I have kept all these since I was a child. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he looked sad and went away grieving. Because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus told them again, children, how hard it is for those who trust in their riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a man to enter, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to one another, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For people, it is impossible, but not for God, because all things are possible for God. These are the words of our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have come to your house once again to hear your holy word. We ask you to speak to us through it, dispel our doubts and fears, and reassure us that Jesus is our Savior. We pray that you would convict us of our sin this morning, that we would repent and cling to him as the only source of salvation. Grant us your spirit to these ends. Sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Jesus the Christ, dear fellow redeemed, have you ever been sitting in a boat, maybe fishing, maybe water sports, and just thought about stepping out and walking on the water? Well, I have to admit... Not only as a kid did I do that at times, but even as an adult, remembering Jesus' miracle of walking on the water, just being able to step out there and and walk across it as if it was solid ground. I have to say, as an adult, I've wondered, how did he do that? Now, it's easy. Oh, he's God, he can do anything. But how did he do it? Did he make his human flesh weigh nothing so he could walk across the water? Did he divert the field of gravity around him so it wasn't pulling down on him, pulling him into the water? Did he make the water under his feet so dense that it could actually support his weight? How did he do it? Well, obviously, we can't really answer that question. We certainly know that the laws of nature are subject to Jesus' will. He could have done it any way that he wanted. But he did do it. He did do the impossible. In fact, all of Jesus' miracles are a visible demonstration of him doing the impossible, doing the supernatural. But in our text, we see Jesus once again doing miracles, doing the impossible, but these miracles are invisible. Jesus does the impossible. He loves sinners. He saves sinners. In verse 21 of our text, we're told that Jesus looked at the man who had run up to him and loved him and said to him, Jesus looked at him Jesus saw him for who he really was, inside and out. What did Jesus see? In the man's question, we can see that he had a self-righteous attitude about salvation. He came up to Jesus in a rush. He ran up to him. What must I do to inherit eternal life the man thought that he could earn eternal life what must I do so that man actually thought it was possible for him to do the things necessary to earn heaven he was going to get to heaven by his own efforts And this is uh, demonstrated even further in our text when Jesus said, you know the commandments, and Jesus listed them off, you know, you shall not steal, honor your father and mother, all the way down the second table of the law. And the man responded, teacher, all these I have kept since I was a child. This man not only thought that a person could earn heaven? He thought he was actually doing it. He thought he was keeping the commandments. Now, he was probably watering down the the strictness of the commandments to try and meet them. So, as long as he did what mum said, even if he was grumbling inside and hated her for it, as long as he actually obeyed her, then he had kept the fourth commandment. Or looking at a woman, he could lust after her in his heart, but as long as he didn't sleep with her, he hadn't broken the sixth commandment. The man lowered God's standard enough where he thought he was keeping it but we also see that jesus began to point out his error when he ran up to jesus and called him good teacher jesus said no one is good except one god the man didn't have a proper understanding of jesus He just thought he was a good teacher that might be able to give him a tip or two so he could complete God's commandments even better than what he was already doing, making more secure his efforts to buy heaven with his good works. But Jesus pointed out, only one is good, God. Instead of calling him good teacher, that man should have taken Thomas' confession and said, My Lord and my God. He didn't have a right understanding of Jesus. Jesus saw that. But Jesus saw something else, too. That in spite of the man's desire and efforts to complete God's or to fulfill God's commandments, He had a big love in his heart that wasn't about God. So Jesus gently revealed the man's heart to him. He said, one thing you lack. Man, couldn't have Jesus said, hey, you've messed up on all of those commandments. But in a loving, caring way, said, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Jesus could see that that man's greatest love was not even for the commandments. It was for the wealth that he possessed, when Jesus spoke those words, immediately we're told he, he became sad. His countenance fell, and he went away grieving because Jesus had asked him to give up that, that thing that he loved, his money. Jesus looked at that man and truly saw him. And the amazing thing is that Mark records that Jesus looked at him, saw him, and loved him. That's impossible. How can a righteous, holy God love a sinner? Now, we'll play a little bit of semantics with this. We'll say, well, love the sinner, hate the sin. And there is some utility for us to follow that. But to impose that upon God, does God only hate the sin and not the sinner? Well, listen to what he says in Psalm 5. For you are a God who takes, excuse me, you are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell, the arrogant cannot stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. So notice that it says, you hate all evildoers. It doesn't say, you hate all evil. But you hate all evil doers. God not only hates the sin, He hates the sinner as well. So, how could Jesus look at a man, a sinner, someone that had failed? to keep his commands and yet claim to have. Someone who did not see Jesus as he really was the Son of God. Someone who loved earthly possessions more than God himself. How could Jesus look at that man, see him, and love him? Jesus does the impossible. Jesus loves sinners. Now, maybe you would try and look at the man and say, well, he was zealous. He really wanted to be right with God. Maybe that was the reason that Jesus loved him. There are many other verses in the Bible that teach us that God just chooses to love sinners. Well, we were still sinners Christ died for us well, we were enemies of God God redeemed us in Jesus God does the impossible he loves sinners so what does that mean about you God does look at you and he sees you just as clearly as Jesus saw that man that day. Now your sin may not be the love of money. But I'm sure there's other sins that you have. That Jesus could say, well just stop doing that. Jesus sees you. And he chooses to love you. There's nothing in you that causes him to do that. It's a choice that he has made. It's a choice that he has made because he is a loving and merciful God. And we just can't understand how a holy and righteous God one who punishes sins can look at sinners like you and me and the man in our text and choose to love us but that is what he has done Jesus does the impossible he loves sinners and he saves sinners Now, the saving of the sinner, you might say, is exemplified in our text when Jesus talks about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into his kingdom. Now, Jesus was focused on the sin of that that rich man, his love of money. But we could fill in any sin there. We could say it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for an adulterer or a liar or a murderer or whatever other sin you want to put there to get into the kingdom of heaven. God's standard for entrance into heaven is perfection. So how is it going to be possible for you and me people like this rich man to get to heaven. Well, thank God he can do the impossible. And what God has impossibly done is he has taken the guilt of all of our sins and transferred them onto Jesus. Now, I'm sure that's something that you would love to be able to do to be able to take your guilt and, and give it to someone else. Probably a time or two I wanted to do that to my brother or sister as a kid. Okay? Okay. We would love to be able to rid ourselves of our guilt. We don't have that power. We don't have that authority. Only God does. And so God has taken your guilt, and He has placed it on Jesus. And that's a real transfer. That's not just some pretty thought that we have to make us feel better about our sins. That transfer of guilt was real. The Bible speaks of Jesus bearing our sins in his own body. That's a, a real transfer of guilt. So no matter what your sins are, Jesus has really claimed them as his own. He has borne those sins in his body. And in Colossians we read that the written charge against us, the debt was taken away from us, and it was nailed on the cross. So whatever you owed God, because of the sinful thoughts of your heart and desires, and the sinful actions of your hands, the sinful words that have come from your tongue, whether your guilt is outward or inward, God has transferred that to Jesus. That's impossible. But God has done it. And Jesus has offered sufficient payment for your guilt. Again, that's not just a pretty thought, that's real. So when you see what's going on inside, when you see the things that you've done in the past in your mind and your conscience is troubled, stop listening to your heart and hold on to the great miracle that God has done for you, that He has taken away your guilt. And that guilt now belongs to Jesus. You can say to your conscience, yes, it is true that that is my sin, but that guilt has been taken away. God has done the impossible and removed my guilt from me so that now in Jesus, I'm dearly loved that sin will never harm me in eternity. So Jesus has offered sufficient payment for your sins. On the cross, he suffered in your place, and God raised him from the dead so that you can know it's true. This transfer of guilt has really happened. So that Jesus truly is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that, that camel going through the eye of the needle, that's you. That's you, the sinner that you are, being brought into the kingdom of heaven it doesn't matter whether you're a big sinner or a little sinner. Sinners don't belong in heaven. But God has opened heaven for you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus has done the impossible. He's saved you. So there are some miracles that we shouldn't waste our time wondering about how he did it. Like how did he walk on water? But when it comes to the miracles in our text, God loving a sinner, that's something that you should ponder. That's something that you should wrestle with and understand how God can love you. That he chose to And the miracle of your salvation, wow, that's a miracle you're going to spend eternity pondering. How God was able to take your guilt and make it Jesus so that you are forgiven. May these great miracles in our text fill your heart with joy Because Jesus does the impossible. He loves sinners, and He saves sinners. To Him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.